are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you have Sam and Steve here to recap the past week of Yankees baseball. Sam, how are you doing? Hopefully better than our Yankees. I'm doing okay. Uh, (laughs) A lot of schoolwork in the home stretch of senior year of college. And the the Yankees not – the Yankees playing – like crap, and on top of all of the injuries, I mean, you look at spots six through nine in their order yesterday, it just is littered with automatic outs. I am not having fun watching Yankees baseball right now on top of doing a bunch of projects. Yeah, that, that's the double whammy because the Yankees should be what it, it, you know kind of takes you away from any stress of, of, of school or work and just watching the Yankees, and especially heading into this year, should have been the, the fun part of it. But it hasn't been fun. The Yankees are 6-9 and nine through 15 games. They won one game since we recorded last week, so they did not put on a good showing. They got swept by the Astros, and they lost two of three to the White Sox, who, despite everything that they tried to do this offseason, are still in rebuilding mode. Um, we, re- we recorded live last week during the Astro game, and Tanaka looked great. So it was very encouraging. After me and you kind of hung up, we were like, oh, all right, let's go and win this game. And it kind of was the case the entire series in Houston, but the bullpen just really kind of blew it out there. Every game in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning, the Astros, who we know are a great team, kind of took it away from the Yankees, and that, that's, the, that's the most disappointing part. You know, going into the year, it was, you know, with a starting pitching holdup. It hasn't really, but it was like, don't worry, just get to the fourth or fifth inning, and we'll get our bullpen in there while our starters are barely getting to the fourth or fifth inning, and then the, if we do have the lead, the bullpen's been blowing it. So the Houston's very good, but a very disappointing series down there, and it's the first time the Astros have ever swept the Yankees in Houston as well. Yeah, and you start off game one up 3-1, Tanaka gives six great innings. Britain comes in in the seventh with a clean inning. No, nobody out, just a regular clean inning. He comes in, and he lets the game be tied. Zach Britton, you have one job. It's to get out of the inning, and it's not like they put him in in a fire extinguisher situation. I mentioned they put him in in a clean inning. So with a two-run lead, Zach Britton was unable to hold that And he got beat by the number nine hitter for the Astros. His name is escaping me right now, but he had a two-run double to tie the game. All inning, his sinker, he was trying to bury it down and away. It was not having the break that he wanted to. You saw Correa on an 0-2 pitch, line one in the right field to start that inning. And he said after the game, that's the one at-bat I really wanted back. Well, you had him 0-2, you couldn't put him away, and... That's when I started having a bad feeling about the inning. And, of course, they tie it up and end up taking the lead. Just not what you want to see. The Yankees spent a lot of money on this bullpen in the offseason. And, in general, they've spent a lot of money on the bullpen. Britton, Adovino, Chapman got the biggest deal for a closer in history. And he's been pretty good since one game. But this isn't. You can't have this when you put this much money into the bullpen. And the Yankees had a chance to make a statement in Houston, winning that first game with Tanaka on the mound, going against Justin Verlander, who they got to a little bit. So 
it was a very, very disappointing series. And you go on, they had a lead in all three games. Heck, they've had a lead in all but one game they've played this year. And that is very, very frustrating as they sit here at six and nine. Loisco on Tuesday, I wasn't expecting to win that game, but James Paxton, and I'm sorry if I'm going on here. You, you go rant to the, away, Sam. Rant away. You go to the latter part of that series. James Paxton, that was his first ever test in a Yankees uniform, having lost two in a row in Houston. They needed James Paxton that night, and he no-showed. He was laboring very, very much, and it came out a couple days ago that he was tipping his curveball to the Astros hitters on, on second base. The runners on second base were relaying to the hitter that he was tipping his curveball, and Carlos Beltran alerted him of that. So a really, really disappointing series for the Yankees down in Houston last week. They should have had at least one of those games, bare minimum. And when you put all that money into the bullpen and they blow a few games, they blow really that Monday game was an atrocity, and then they blow the Tuesday game as well. You can't have that happen. You can't. And it was like you said, if you take two out of three in Houston, as they should have, it's a whole different almost season for the Yankees here. But, you know, the Tuesday game with Loisaga, you really, as you said, it's kind of one you expect to lose versus a team like the Astros. But in the end, he got through three innings. Uh, Tarpley came in. He did okay. Um, you know, Luis Sessa came in. and he did, He's been pitching actually the best of anybody in the bullpen. And you had the lead. And then Chad Green goes out there and just starts throwing some some meatballs to, to, to this team. So, you know, Chad Green, someone who's had a very strong two years, but of late is, is kind of, you know, looking flat out there. And, and that's what, you know, the Yankees can't have there, especially when if you're using a bullpen as – as, as much as, as the Yankees have been, you're going to need days where you have to rest Sonata You have to rest a Britain, even if you know, Britain's struggling. You have to, you know, maybe use Chapman earlier. Chapman didn't pitch barely at all this week. So maybe you just kind of forget about the inning and you just start using players when you need to. Because Chad, Chad Green looked terrible, and it cost them a game that they had, a game that they were trying to steal with, with the Loisaga on the mound. And then you said the same for, for Paxton. Is Paxton. Paxton has an... On, he didn't uh, under two ERA. He had like a one point one ERA versus Houston in his career because he faced them a lot with Seattle. So this was kind of you know this isn't a you know changing teams type of situation here. You mentioned the the pitching tipping, which is a, a huge mis- mistake on his end. But this was something that the Yankees really you know didn't expect here from the Paxton deal, and it's going to be another big test for him as we'll talk at the end of the episode with the, with the Red Sox coming up. But overall, it was just a, a sloppy. Sloppy series versus Houston. The the defense looked horrible. Clint Frazier, I, I love you, man, but you got to learn to catch a ball out in left field. You know that that Monday game, two two plays that Statcast had fifty percent and ninety five percent, and he's out there diving. He, he you know I get that players like to do the little dive sometimes, but just catch the ball. And you know this goes back to the Hicks injury of. You know, if you don't have him in center, you got to move Gardy over. And while Gardy struggled at the plate a lot this year, that defense is still good. But it, you even seen Gardner struggle in center field now too. So it's, it was kind of a whole mess here. Everybody's screaming at Boone for getting laid some fire under the team, which I do understand to some extent here. But it's not Boone's fault to make the guys to catch a fly ball or to you know run out a bunt for Gardner's example. Uh, you know, some mental errors here. Yes, you got to keep the, the the clubhouse loose. Um, I guess Boone. It, it, maybe it's too loose. Maybe that's the biggest issue that everybody's have is that it's too loose and Boone's more of a friend than a manager. But losing those three games there, then coming home, you're like, all right, whatever. Put him in the past. 
come home, face the White Sox, um, and they struggled versus the White Sox. They, they didn't look good. I thought there was no way they should have been playing that first game versus the White Sox. That, that rain was coming down all game. I know they tried to fit it in, but I'm going to literally count that as a washout. Because the rain was a huge factor for everybody. Whether it's, are they going to play when they did delay it, and then it only ended up being a six inning game. So that was just a weird day to open up versus the White Sox. Yeah, they really should not have played that Friday game, but they ended up playing it. And you mentioned a guy, Steve Chad Green, and I texted you about him on Friday. What secondary pitch does he have going for him right now? I'm not sure if he can last much longer and if he's going to be able to be trusted in key situations. Because right now, I don't trust him in key situations. He has no secondary pitch. He gave up two home runs to Eloy Jimenez and James McCann. And quite frankly, I'm not sure what we're doing here with Chad Green because he has not shown me anything this year. He got roughed up in the Houston series as well. This is a guy who... Like I said, I'm not sure is being uh, if they're going to be able to trust him in key situations. Thankfully, the bullpen rebounded on Saturday. Britain with a clean inning. Chapman out for his first inning of work in a while. In, it he seems went like one, since spring three. training. <laughs> yeah. Chapman went one, two, three when he had a big layoff. I'm at work on Saturday, and we were, we were crazy busy. I was looking down at my phone a little bit, and I said, oh, shit. Chapman's coming in. He hasn't pitched since freaking March. <laughs> so he's probably going to be all over the place, but he went one, two, three. That was very good to see. And then the Sunday game, the Yankees again out in the lead 2-0, and Tim Anderson hits a grand slam to right field, and that was just a gut punch. And the offense last year went down two runs, ended up being down three runs, actually. It was 5-2 on Sunday. thought, oh, this is one inning's worth of work. Not when you have – four automatic outs at the bottom of the order, bottom of the order from spots six to nine spots six to nine yesterday went one for 11 with three walks. I mean, it doesn't get much more automatic than that. And for so long, Steve, throughout all of our years being Yankee fans, we always had that one bottom of the bottom of the order guy, whether it was Posada, whether it was Cano, whether last year or, you know, a couple of years back, Didi would would, would yeah, be a single six hitter or seven guy. in the bottom of the order until he got moved up. So I'm not sure what is going on here. You know, Torres and Andujar last year is I, I don't know why I was trying to drawing a blank on that. <laughs> well, those guys, they those were, guys are good. They were so good in the bottom of the order last year, and right now the Yankees have automatic outs from spots six through nine. So it's very, very tough to win like that, and they've had a quite easy schedule opening up. I know the Tigers have gotten off to a good start, but this was supposed losing, to be okay. This was the losing. injuries were supposed to be fine because the, the schedule was easy. Yeah, but it's not, and I'm not sure how much more they can take. I was thinking today, just in one of my classes, talking to a kid on our break. It's a three-hour class. I said, I'm just so afraid that we're a pitch up and in to DJ LeMahieu or Aaron Judge, and you saw that pitch up and in the Judge on Friday or yeah. whenever it was. They're just so close to another injury, and I'm not sure how much more this team can withstand. Starting left fielder, starting center fielder, starting third baseman, starting shortstop, starting catcher, ace of the staff, best reliever in the bullpen, all injured. 
Yeah, and that was that was kind of the perfect segue into the which is I guess now is like a weekly or daily kind of the Yankees injury report by Gotham Sports. It is <laughs> um, Gary Sanchez is on the DL. He pinch hit uh, in one game uh, in the Houston series, and then the next day. Kyle Higashioka was taken out of the lineup, and everybody's speculating on Twitter, and they're like, oh, no, it's fine. Gary's just going to be a DH, so we need the extra catcher there so we actually can pinch hit Romine if we need to, blah, blah, blah. No. We learned already that a calf can be a problem with Tulowitzki. You were talking about it pretty well, about you know the soft tissue of the calf can linger. Well, Gary's got a calf injury, and he's on the DL now. He didn't want to go on it, but he's on it. And that's going to cost them, you know, a week or two here. And it's going to need him, you know, Gary is a guy that can get out of shape sometimes. He is a guy that needs to get into a rhythm here. He leads the Yankees with six home runs still. But missing games is what kills Sanchez a lot of the time here. He needs to continually play. And whether it's been at the DH spot, which he does pretty well sometimes, it, it, this hurts that he can't catch at all. And it hurts that he has to go on the DL for a week or two here. Um, so that's another guy, like you said there, and that leads to, those weird bottom of the lineup guys, and we got Tuckman, Bird, Higashioka, and, and you know, as our seven, eight, nine com- combo, Urshela. Urshela, Wade, Gardner down there yesterday. So it's 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 a it's a mess. I mean, there was at one point the the only game that they won, that lineup looked like Aaron Judge uh, was playing for the Rail Riders. Um, but that, of course, that's the one game they win because that's just that's baseball, Susan. But it's just a complete disaster, you know, top to bottom with the injuries here. Um, and then we received during that ridiculous rain uh, on um, on Friday that all of a sudden Brian Cashman was going to do an impromptu uh, press conference to talk about Dylan Batanzas during the game. The game wasn't even canceled yet. And immediately everybody's thinking, oh, well, Dylan needs surgery. He's out. And that's what I was thinking too. I guess it's a benefit that he's only going to need six to seven more weeks with a shoulder injury with the bone spur that he's had for almost a decade. But, I mean, you got to be thinking with me here that surgery was coming and Dylan was going to be shut down. And I was even thinking this could be the last time Dylan, we may never see Batanzas again in a Yankee uniform. So it was a crazy kind of weekend here looking at the games and, and all the injuries that are happening for this team so early. It really is. And it's it's tough to compete with all this. And you look at a team like the Red Sox, who are now 6-11, and they've had no injuries <laughs> I'll I'll take I guess six and nine with with our injuries versus six and eleven and no injuries. Yeah, absolutely. Bright side. <laughs> and I wonder how long these guys are going to be. I I saw something on Hicks the other day on Twitter that he is that he is fine right now, but the Yankees are not rushing him back and want to make sure this doesn't linger. So I'm I'm thinking Memorial Day for him a, a little bit <laughs> earlier maybe yeah a, a, at least that that's at least my timetable for him Severino and we got news on Severino this week that he had another setback it was that 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 was we got that week. Sunday so we, we talked about that but it, that we talked about that last episode but it still kind of all lingers to the same because that was very similar to the Batanzas injury where they were just saying like oh another new injury that's add six or seven weeks so he's on the same timeline uh, as Batanzas, so we got Sevy and Batanzas at mid-July, maybe. But, you know, both of them haven't pitched since last October. Like, that, that's got to be a, six, seven weeks. has got to be the everything 100% best-case scenario goes. And, and Cashman even admitted for Batanzas, he was like, look, this sucks. We really need him right now. I was like, yeah, no shit. Everybody's giving up long balls out of the bullpen, which is supposed to be the one thing that the Yankees didn't need to worry about. And... 
Batantis, like I said, I think he's their best reliever in the bullpen. But Severino, uh, I, I'm like losing track of the timetable of these injuries just because there's so many. So Severino mid-July, Didi, I don't know when we're going to see him. I, th- I, I, think may- I think maybe as early as late June, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went in the mid-August. Yeah, me either. Uh, I would not be surprised at that. Stanton, I think he is going to be within the next couple of weeks. Uh, he's starting to do some hitting. And Andujar is starting to throw from 60 feet. I really, I think it's going to be this week is going to be the week we get the final judgment call for him because it's either he's ready to come back or he needs surgery that's going to keep him out in the spring training next year. So I think this week we're going to get major news on a Yankee who is currently on the IL. And you talk about Sanchez. (laughs) You talk about Sanchez. You talk about Tulo. The calves really, really worry me. The soft tissue, like you said, Steve, I'm in wait and see mode for both of them. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it was a good call on, on the Andujar thing. I, I'm curious as to what they're doing here. So he's throwing from, you know, 45, 60 feet. You know, they want him comfortable. But I, can he do that if he's swinging is fine? Can he do that at DH? Can't we get him up there and get him in the lineup at DH and let him just keep working on that? That you know, if the swing is not an issue and the swing is 100% fine, and this is all about fielding and throwing, can't we just make him the permanent DH when we got all these injuries with no no Sanchez, no uh, no um, John Carlo, like the two guys that likely will take up DH spots here? We don't need to keep playing Greg Bird anymore. We get to just throw Luke at at first, put DJ at third, and just let Andujar. Just be a DH for two weeks while we try and figure this out. Is that worth the risk? I'm not sure yet, but we keep looking at some of these lineups that are putting out there. I think it might be at this point. Like, why is he not just being considered for a straight DH role? And if it's not going to, of course, if it's not going to affect the long-term outcome of what's going to happen for him here, then just have him do that. Like, if maybe he'll go just like his his uh, rookie of the year running mate in in Otani here and just go strictly DH. And, and figure it out next year. I'm, I'm curious to see what the Yankees do here, too. Because from the sound of it, it looks like if he can't play third base, then he needs to just get the surgery now and, and stop delaying time here. Yes, because it, it's it's a year – it's close to a year recovery for that labrum. And Easy. Like I, like I said, it's going to be – I think we're going to get news on him very, very soon. But I think that's a fantastic idea, Steve, about him going to a DH role if he can. If the swing's 100%, he absolutely should be the designated hitter. But I'm not sure if he is 100% with just a swing. I'm not sure if they will go that route. But I can't take much more of Gio Urshela at third base. A career fringe major leaguer. He's out of options. DJ LeMahieu is now mostly at second base with the injury to uh, Andujar. And too low, yeah. And, and, and too low. It's just so many injuries. And with with too low, even when they get him back, I mean, how much longer is he going to last? I mean, the guy's body is made of tissue paper. And and he, was back, sure and he had like two hits the entire you know first five games he played anyway. So it's not like we're like really missing him. Let's be honest, T- Tyler Wade's put up the same numbers that, that Tulo has. And so it's not like we're getting here like a, a DD bat 
back. I mean, yes, it's nice to have some some warm, healthy bodies that can play defense because our defense has desperately struggled because of these injuries. But how big of yeah, how big of a lift will that be if he can be healthy at all? I don't think it's going to be any lift, quite frankly. And he wasn't performing. He wasn't performing in spring training even. And he sat out all of last year. So how much baseball has Troy Tulowitzki played in the last two calendar years? Six weeks? I mean, I don't know how they expect this guy to com- uh, uh, contribute to the team. And you look down the line, if the Yankees get Didi back, this guy's not even going to be on the roster, yeah, I don't I mean, think, because he's on a minimum deal. They can cut their losses right away. And it's just a signing right from the beginning. I get the low risk, high reward, but they relied on this guy to be their fucking starting shortstop, which was just so, so foolish of Brian Cashman and, and Hal Steinbrenner st- signing off on this. And I, I don't mean to take shots at them, but it's just silly how they expected this guy to come in and play right away and play at a decent level because he missed all of last year. He only played 67 games in 2017. I really don't know what we were doing here, having Troy Tulowitzki as the opening day starting shortstop. Yeah, and especially when they, all the other players, they, there is seems to be some timeline. They're like, oh, Stanton, end of month. Um, Sanchez, end of month. They got some timelines on when Hicks or whatever. But with they asked for like a Tulowitzki update, and they were just like, eh, no update. We'll see how he's doing. It's like... We, we don't know how he's doing. We, we can't figure out how he's doing. Like, what is he doing? It's almost like a, it was like an Ellsbury-esque answer of like, ah, he's working to on his way to get back. Okay, so that means we're never going to see you again, which is which will be disappointing and which will bring out everybody screaming that we told you so at, at, at the, during the offseason that this was going to fail. So it's, it's six and nine no matter what way you look at it. Um, no matter the injuries, no matter the shit lineup we got towards the end of the years, uh, at the, the end of the lineups here. Um, let's talk positive something just because it has not gone the way the Yankees have wanted the first two weeks. And it's the big man, CC heart surgery, five game suspension entering his, you know, 19, 11th year with the Yankees, 19th overall. And the big man came out here and he threw five innings, 62 pitches, one hit ball and looked like nothing's changed. He brought the Yankees absolutely what he needed to be. He's been the Yankees' stopper for the past three, four years. Uh, two years ago, in 2017, the Yankees were like 11-1 and when CC pitched after a loss. And he picked that right up here in 2019 with a, a great start versus um, the White Sox here. Pulled out their 62 pitches, which I thought was a little shocking. And then even Herman came in, which was, I thought was even weird too. But it worked out. Give Boone credit there. It worked out. The two of them pitched well. The Yankees threw a one-hitter that entire game with the bullpen. Um, but CeCe looked great. He looked confident on the mound. Um, and and it, it really was the first big boost for the Yankees this season, especially with all the injuries here. So we'll see him hopefully every five days out there now for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and not only does he give them a big boost on the mound, he gives them such a big boost in the clubhouse. He is such a leader, a guy that, Kids on this team really looked up, look up to. Saw him stand up for his teammate last year in Tampa Bay, and you know the whole "that's for you, bitch" thing. But this guy is just such a model citizen, just in general. Guy, like I said, guys in the clubhouse look up to him, and he has been the Yankees' stopper. And with this being his last season, he is putting 
the Hall of Fame. He's putting the icing on his cake. Oh, he's getting Hall of Fame to his Hall of Fame candidacy. I hope you heard that, Mr. Claudio, because (laughs) for some reason, uh, our producer over here doesn't believe he's a Hall of Famer. Um, Just, just one (laughs) of his few, one of his few frailties. I will (laughs) leave it at that. But CC just, just, and off of a four-game losing streak. Stopper, just like 2017. Must win game almost. It was. And keep in mind, this guy almost died. He almost died. And and he comes out and throws five scoreless for the Yankees yesterday, uh, or excuse me, on Saturday. And it's it's great to see. CeCe's one of my favorite Yankees of all time. And when it's all said and done, I think there's going to be a plaque in Monument Park. And maybe, maybe... There's never going to be a Yankee wearing number 52 again because his years from 2009 to 2012, he was one of the best starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, a huge part to that 2009 World Series team. I wouldn't be surprised if there's no other Yankee to wear 52 ever again. I think it's going to be a, a good good discussion that's going to happen once he retires, and I think it's very possible that you're correct because you know we talk a lot about these massive contracts the Yankees are afraid to give out, et cetera, et cetera. CC got that huge contract as a pitcher, and he's he was well worth it. Got that title right away, and he's been an absolute workhorse for the Yankees. He went through some 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 low points in his career and even off the field, and has worked his way back to being a very reliable starter at age 38. He is kind of exactly what the Yankees were envisioning for their starting pitchers. Go five innings, go maybe a little into the sixth and have the bullpen come in and do the work and get the easy win. And that's exactly what happened uh, on Saturday with CC. He looked great out there. He was pinpointing his, his corners. There's a hilarious video out there of J.A. Happ asking him postgame, how did you be able to paint the corners on the, on the, fir- the first inning right out the gate? So it's that's the kind of stuff you need in the locker room and on the field here. So I think it's a big, big lift for the Yankees here. They went and lost on Sunday, which kind of took away from the momentum from CC. But I think that is that the spark that the team really does need because, because he is, he is, he is the Yankees. He's been the Yankees ace. While we have Severino for you know the future ace here, he's been the consistent guy for the Yankees. He's re-signed for another year for his swan song, and he's got some big milestones coming up. He didn't get the win, which was kind of disappointing for for, uh, for CC there. But he's closing in on 3,000 strikeouts. He needs 11 more strikeouts to get 3,000. He needs four more wins to get 250 wins. Both of those should easily happen this season before he retires here and locks in that Hall of Fame candidacy that we both are 100% for. But it's not about the Hall of Fame for CC. He is someone that's been very vocal that he came back to win a title. And, and this team really hasn't been performing to that. So hopefully with him back on the on the active roster here, maybe he's that spark in the, in the clubhouse needed that you know Aaron Boone, the too friendly Aaron Boone, doesn't give. Maybe it's CeCe screaming. Maybe CeCe's the one that needs to get ejected from a game for arguing balls and strikes just from uh, while he's on, on the bench watching somebody else start. So uh, interesting to see, especially with Boston coming up here and him not in line to pitch, how he kind of acts on the bench too because he loves the rivalry. He loves the fire. But overall, very encouraging first start from CC, and in, in that game in general, because it, it, it followed up by Domingo Herman, who's been the best Yankee pitcher all season. He's three and zero now. He's got you know a, a low three ERA. He's, he's he's 
come in as a starter. He started two games. Now he came in as a reliever. He'll head back to the to the rotation this week here. So he's kind of Herman's been a, a jack of all trades for the Yankees uh, in in desperate times. And I said on last week's episode, Steve, that that I see Domingo Herman being a contributing pitcher for the Yankees, regardless if it's in the starting rotation and in the bullpen. He and like it. you said, he's going to be a jack of all trades. And we said last year we examined on a couple of episodes, do the Yankees really have something with Herman? And when he has control, he's one of the better pitchers in this organization. That control has not been consistent in the, since Herman has been with the Yankees. But he's a young kid. He can still improve a lot. And it's great to see him contributing in the starting rotation and the bullpen. He threw two innings on Saturday. It was that bridge uh, from CC to Britain while the game was tied. And on Saturday, regardless of the rotation, the Yankees did a couple of things that uh, have been not re- really familiar to them in the past. A big pinch hit single for Luke Voigt. And then you have the safety squeeze for Tyler Wade. And Small I, ball. Was, I was thinking of this. I got off of work and I'm watching Yankees highlights in my apartment. And I, I see that the Yankees ran a safety squeeze. I mean, when is the last time we saw them do this? Couldn't tell you. And I was Not thinking the analytics nerds up top must have <laughs> been having a seizure when Aaron Boone called this. But when. Guys six to nine are minor leaguers or an automatic outs in your lineup. You have to do something like that. And it was a great execution by Wade. Frazier got a great break off of third. And the Yankees clawed out a win on Saturday. And they're going to need to claw out more wins going down the line. Because, again, it's some of these lineups look like Aaron Judge, Torres, a couple steps down, Voight, and then the Rail Riders. Because, because that's what it is. And they're going to need to start grinding out some more wins. And Saturday was a perfect example of it. Two run, Up two runs on Sunday for Tanaka. He thought maybe, oh, can Tanaka just give up one and throw a gem? Yeah. Nope. So it's a lot of pressure on these starting pitchers right now. Tanaka, Paxton, CeCe, Loisica, Herman, whoever is starting. And... It's like I said, the, the, I hope the pressure does not get to them, but look like it got to Tanaki yesterday. It looks like it's been getting to Paxton as well. Yeah, and, and then with the bullpen struggling, it could lead to new opportunities. I mean, we saw the MLB debut for Joe Harvey. You know, the, the Harvey's finally to the Yankees as people were screaming, you know, not the Matt Harvey that we wanted years ago, but, but Joe Harvey comes up and he, he pitched in two games and he pitched fine. And, and the Yankees stuck with him. He's still on the, the roster now. And it's maybe, you know, we'll see what we get from him. The Yankees always do have a weird tendency to find guys in the rotation that, that kind of come up as a spark. Um, so this could be the, the, the need there. You know, I'm sure a lot of people will be happy if we see Harvey instead of Jonathan Holder in, in you know, the sixth inning of times here. So the kid's thrown three innings, um, and, and it's been a success. So I think we see him uh, a little bit more and more. So it'll be um, interesting to see there, too, because with the struggles comes opportunity, and that's what the Yankees are really hoping for with this lineup. Is like, all right, Tyler Wade, you bitch that you got, you got didn't make the opening day roster here. Well, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Let's see what you got. You know, Clint Frazier, you've been asking for this opportunity for years. 
Well, here it is. Well, you got to do it on the in the lineup and in the field. It's not, you know, you're not the, the DH here. We need you in the field. So there's, their opportunities are here, and, and the Yankees just really haven't been been producing it for the most part. Um, which leads us to the, you know, with only one win, there's not too much excited to talk about in the week past. So let's, let's might as well already look ahead here. Two games versus the Red Sox. Very short series. Are we looking at must wins already versus Boston, even though both teams are struggling? I'm not going to go with must wins, but it, it's it. They kind of have to get one or two here. Paxton is one of the starters, and who I know the Sox have Sale and Eovaldi. The Yankees have Paxton and who else? Trying to look right now, but either way, Paxton's. I, I mentioned Paxton and his first failed test in a big moment for the Yankees. That happened last Wednesday. It's a, oh, it's Paxton tomorrow against Sale and then Happ against Diavoldi. I mentioned Paxton's first failed test, but good news for Paxton. He has a chance to pass another test with flying colors tomorrow, and I hope he takes advantage of that because, again, he failed his first one. The Yankees needed a win last Wednesday against Houston to avoid the sweep. He came up very, very small, and in the first game of the season against the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium, nonetheless, all eyes are going to be on him. And if he comes up small, you're going to be seeing some headlines written about him, whether Brian Cashman was right to trade for Paxton, whether this, dare I say, is Sonny Gray 2.0 already in April. (laughs) I know. Oh, that hurts, Sam. Don't do that. Don't do that. I, I, I know it's a little harsh, but... The New York media, they are not going to play this down. So if he has another stinker against the Red Sox, be prepared for some of those headlines. I'm not saying I agree with them, but be prepared for some of those headlines. Man, I I didn't even want to. I wasn't even thinking along those lines at all. But now you just made me not even look forward to this game (laughs) in case he fails here. But I'm not. I'm not not saying I agree with it. No, no, no. You're right. It's going to be really, really hard on him. No, you're right, and it's a massive game. It's a you know the Red Sox are struggling. Chris Sale's been struggling. Avaldi's been struggling big time. But so is Paxton Happ. It's you know we you know the Wednesday's going to be really interesting because this is kind of the two big pitching signings that that both teams made. You know they they win the title up in Boston. They sign Nathan to this big four year deal. They overpay for him, but you overpay when you get the ring, so that's not a problem there. But then the Yankees kind of overpaid for Hap as well. So it's kind of ironic the two of them are going to be facing off on a Wednesday night in the Bronx because it, that is going to be what every fan is going to be looking at. Whether each one of them struggles, one does well, they'll be like, oh, we should have signed this guy over this guy for, for both teams. And both are now looking at um, Hap's I got a 8.7 ERA and Evaldi at a 8.4 ERA. So both teams aren't really hitting well and both teams aren't pitching well. So this could be the, the ultimate what the fuck game happens there with you, no one wants to hit and no one wants to pitch. But back to the Salem Paxton is going to be is huge because with the Severino out here, and I you know Tanaka is, is our number one, but you kind of make the trade there to, as Paxton to be your number one. So go against Sale, you, you got to perform. You got to do both games here. The Yan- I, I think the Yankees need both. The, it really can kind of put a little dagger in what the Red Sox are doing. Big games. I, both teams are going to bounce back. Both teams are going to be fighting for the division um, at the end of the year, in my mind. But that division could come down to one or two games here. And if we're looking back when both when they're six and nine and six and eleven, these games are going to be huge. 
Um, both lineups are, are looking a little weird. I mean, I was watching the, the Red Sox on Marathon Monday here, and they got Christian Vasquez playing second base. So it's going to be, while the Red Sox don't really have injuries, the lineup configurations for both are, are going to be interesting here because I don't think we want Brett Gardner out there versus Chris Sale. Chris Sale is going to make him look silly, lefty on lefty, but we don't really have a choice. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting with the two big lefties on the mound for, for, the, for the Tuesday game and then the two um, kind of free agent signings on Wednesday. So it, it, it's, this is, we expected both these teams to have one or two losses matching up on April 16th and 17th and being the talk of the town of Major League Baseball, and they've both kind of fallen flat on their faces here. So it, and it's taking good. a backseat to the Rays in the AL. The Rays have been so phenomenal. We, and we discussed that last week, how good the Rays are going to be, and they've kind of continued it. And the Yankees and Red Sox both have, have failed. To have 12 wins between both these teams, it, no one would have guessed that. I mean, I, I thought the Red Sox would, would obviously not win 108 games again. But to think that, you know, the Rays have just as many wins as both these teams combined early in the season like this is shocking. It absolutely is. And it's kind of a two teams matching up on Tuesday and Wednesday who their seasons, while similar records have been very different, the Yankees yep. problem mostly has been, you know, injuries and the Red Sox it's been their pitchers, pitchers can't stinks. get anyone out. Eduardo Rodriguez has had the best start so far out of a Red Sox pitcher this year. It came on Friday against the Orioles, and, geez, it, it's been not good up in Boston. And like I said last week, uh, everybody's criticizing Alex Cora for taking it easy on these guys in spring training, but they emptied the tank and won 108 games last year. So you can't, you can't you, push You get a ring, much. you get some leeway. Yeah, absolutely. And – I mean, I have I have no idea what to expect on Tuesday and Wednesday, Steve. None. Yeah, it's gonna be confusing because it's not been it's not been the areas that we assumed are gonna struggle. Like we assumed the Red Sox rotation would be pretty well, but their bullpen would suck. Well, through all their pitching has been terrible, and, and I think every Red Sox fan would agree with that. And kind of with the, with their, the Yankees, it was like, well, their bullpen's gonna be be great, and their lineup's gonna score a ton of runs. Well, it's like, well, we can't score shit. And the, and the bullpen is, is giving up everything. So it's, it's been really interesting to kind of where we looked into the season, what the strengths of both these teams were, have become unforeseen weaknesses. Plenty of time for both of them to turn it around, but, but two big games in the Bronx. Both got those weird 6.30 start times that the Yankees have been pushing um, in April. So, you know, be sure we'll be sure to get the TVs early there with Wednesday, even on ESPN. Um, but then we go to the – then we have the, the Kansas City Royals coming in. The Royals, another one of those teams the Yankees should be beaten on, like Baltimore, like Chicago, like Detroit. So at this point, taking nothing for granted here. I'm a little worried from a defensive standpoint against the Royals. They like to run the bases a lot, and we're not going to have Gary Sanchez back. Teams are already taking advantage uh, of Romine, and if Higashioka is behind the plate, people are going to be running all day on there. So let's obviously the Boston games are the, 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 the big games of the week here, but four versus Kansas City – if these guys get on base, they're going to be running wild versus the Yankees. So that's the key matchup I'm kind of looking for this week is going to be the Yankees catchers versus the, the Royals base runners because they, they do play a weird uh, style of baseball compared to the, the rest of Major League Baseball, which is just hoping for the home run at this point. Yeah, and the, the whole, oh, I want Sanchez DH crowd and Romine catching is going to get to see this against the Royals. And heck, they got to see it last year. Romine sometimes on a consistent basis has a little bit of a noodle arm. Like I said, he's good in a limited role as a catcher, but as a full-time catcher, a lot of his um, 
style of play gets exposed. So, yeah, yeah, like I said, I assume he's going to play every game. But if we get a Higashioka back there, uh, I'm I'm thinking Billy Billy Hamilton might steal second and third on the same pitch. <laughs> you saw him score. Uh... Yeah, I mean he scored for, on a on a fly ball to center. Yeah, the guy fell down, but he he's he's got his a sack fly RBI when he's on standing on second base. So I'm just I'm just envisioning pass balls. And, and lollipop throws, and, and this guy's going to be getting on base. Thankfully, he's not a good hitter, and, and he struggles to get on base. But if he gets on base, he might be, you know, you know, Benny and the Jets and just be at home already before the Yankees throw a pitch. He might uh, – maybe he'll steal home like uh, Guriel Jr. did against yeah. the Red Sox. That, that was crazy. I mean, Sale got really roughed up in that start last week as well, and – I'm not sure if it was intentional uh, that throw home not to get too off base. Oh, he had to, to see him and it, it definitely messed him up. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the Yankees anyway. going to do that. Maybe the Yankees aren't known as a big running team. Start If you get on base, you don't want to run into outs, obviously. But if we're looking at the bottom of that lineup there, if Wade plays at all, um, it's, actually, I don't think Wade's going to really play. But if the Yankees get guys on base, maybe you start moving moving around, do some hit and runs and stuff because we need to you know jumpstart this offense here. Um, you know, Judge and, and DJ and Glaber are kind of the only three consistent people that are doing it. But if you only got three out of nine, you, you could be pitched around pretty easily. Just one thing about the lineup. Everybody's complaining about LeMahieu not leading off, and I get it. I have been critical of Boone on this level as well. Uh, he let off on Sunday. But where do you think LeMahieu should be batting, given that six through nine in the lineup is often a – clusterfuck if LeMahieu does not bat uh, in, in that sixth role or he, he's been sixth a lot. Do you think he should be leading off or do you think he should be batting sixth and Gardner leading off? I know Gardner's struggling, but it's just when, when some of these guys like Torres and Voigt get on base, I, I mean, they're stranded so often. You think LeMahieu should be down in that sixth role? We saw him with that two-run single yeah. against the White Sox on Friday. I'm starting to think that the sixth role may be better for him. I, I completely agree. Like I get it. He's he's playing the best of anybody really for the Yankees. You know he's up there with his with his average, and he gets on base a lot. But we need that that contact hitter here. I mean, what's going to be more frustrating if DJ Mayhu is on second base by himself all game and no one brings him in, or we we don't want to have you know Judge and um, and Glaber get on. Just have DJ plop a nice single over the second baseman's head here and take a run. I'm going to take that every time, especially with, you know, the, the, like you said, the end of the order is shit. And I, I love Brett Gardner, and he, we all know what, where his career's kind of been going the past, you know, second half of the, of the year. He's not, you know, what he once was, but he still is that leadoff hitter. He still has that leadoff mentality here. And, yes, you need the results to stick there. But at this point, there's, there's really no other option. Just leave him there. Chill him at, at, at leadoff hit. He's gotten a couple leadoff home runs already for the Yankees here. Have him be there. Judge ain't moving from two. Lloyd, Voigt and, and Glaber, you got your 3-4 matchups there, however you want to do it. And then you, then you could throw DJ up there um, based on who's pitching. But you really – I'm fine with the occasional leadoff guy. Um, but, but not until we get – we get you know, not with this – not the rest of this lineup here because if we are going to struggle, there's going to be a lot more worse people if we're going to have bases loaded – and, and, you know, Austin Romine up or, you know, something like that going on. You know, Gio Urshela, I'm sure obviously he'll be batting eighth or, eighth or ninth or whatever. But the Yankees need to get some contact hitters that are going to get the runs home. I mean, our, our RBI leaders, Luke Voigt here with 14. 
Um, but the, but they're they're not scoring as many runs as they need to be. Uh, Gary Sanchez on the DL, but he's got he's got eleven RBIs. Yes, DJ LeMayo should have more than seven, but he also hasn't hit any home runs. These are all just straight seven base hit RBIs. He's got you know twenty four total bases, which is a pretty good number for having no home runs. So I'm fine with having him be in the five six. Um, it'll be even better if we get a fully healthy lineup and he's almost batting that six seven area. Um, or if you want to, you know, with Hicks coming up there, there's lots of Yankees can do with this lineup. But at this point, let's not get stupid with the lineup with all these injuries. Let's just get out there and put our best hitters in the middle of the lineup when we need to. You know, Judge isn't moving from the two spot. Maybe that's the option people want to have is move Judge down. But Judge isn't moving from two. So let's make sure if Judge is on base, because uh, obviously people are going to start pitching him around him with, with all these injuries. If Judge is on base, we need someone back there who can consistently get some hits. So leave DJ as is. If you need to have, you know, Guardy sit a game or something, then you can put him at leadoff. I'm fine with experimenting it on Sunday, but it led to two runs. So I'll put him back in the 5-6 hole. Yeah, I totally agree. And something that, that I wanted to get to earlier in the show, do we know anything about – obviously, Jacoby Ellsbury's locker has been given to Gio Urshela. Yeah, that what, was interesting. Is that – is does that signal – I don't know. That Ellsbury will never play a game for the Yankees again. I, I was curious about that as well too. Um, I, I don't have the head count of how many lockers they have in there, so maybe they just because we have so many freaking guys on the DL that let's say we have thirty-five lockers in there, if twelve of them are to DL guys, and we got to fill a twenty-five man roster. They may have just run out of lockers, and they're like, "Shit, all right, we can finally give it up to Ellsbury." Because it sounds like even with all the the changes the Yankees have had, they've had enough lockers. So this kind of almost seems like a space issue. And maybe something we shouldn't look forward to or look into at all. But it wasn't interesting to see that happen. That that officially Ellsbury's roster after a year and a half has been given away. Um, I think you know. I think we are still on the path that we're, we're never going to see Jacoby again. His updates are same as always. Working on it. Working to get back there. You know, we'll see what happens if we have an update. But no update from him either. Um, we got a, we got a better chance of, of Troy Tulowitzki playing 130 games than Jacoby Ellsbury suiting up for the Yankees, I think, one time, which, you know, I think putting both odds at zero there. <laughs> and when you look back at what the Yankees did with A-Rod, they bit the bullet with him for $27 million. And this is Ellsbury's second-to-last year of his contract. He's making $21 million a year. Do you see, because I see, if he's healthy at some point this summer and, and the Yankees are healthy in the outfield, they're carrying – the usual Hicks, Judge, Stanton, Gardner, and maybe Frazier still up. I think they're going to tell them happy yeah. trails because because we so we've seen them eat twenty seven million on A Rod, and they ate they ate five and a half million on McCann that same year for two years, and I think if he's healthy, they're going to tell him happy trails, and I, I think that could happen in the summer, but. He hasn't done baseball activities in, That's what in I was a year and a half. But I'm not even sure if he's going to be healthy. The, the, the benefit of the doubt here is that there is no one who will ever fight the Yankees if the Yankees just stick him on the DL for to the end of the year and worry about it next offseason. No one's going to be like, oh, they're hiding. Like It's, it's fucking Jacoby Osbury. At this point, Like just leave him on the DL. I'll be very shocked if he's down there in AAA, like, ready to go and ready for his – you know, major league assignment. So I'm not even considering that at this point. Just collect the insurance money and move along there. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't think we'll get a, 
get an update. But we do know his locker's gone. So that maybe is a step towards towards that process here. But let, let's stick to the players who are there and the players that should be doing what the Bronx Bombers should be doing for the weekly recap of the New York Yankees home run tracker. Don't forget to follow it for hashtag NYYHRTracker on Twitter to get the distance of every single Yankee home run this year as they try to break their own record for most home runs in a single season. As is the rest of this week, it was a pretty boring week for home runs. The Yankees have 26 home runs on the year here. Puts them at a pace of 280. So this is ahead of their pace from last year. They only had 23 home runs at this time last year. And think of all the injuries that we got already sitting on the bench there. We've got like 150 home runs just chilling on the DL. Gary Sanchez still with the farthest home run of 438 feet. And he's still got the most home runs at, at six home runs. So no one's topped Gary yet, even though he's not going to play for the next um, few weeks here. So hopefully next week there is someone besides Gary on this list. Because if it's Gary again for a third straight week with not really playing, I'm going to be really worried that a bunch of more L's are coming up here. Home run of the week, the Yankees lost almost every game, so there was really no big home run. Aaron Judge went oppo in the only win there. Then he played catch with the kids, so that gets the home run of the week, unless you've got something else uh, that you remember from this week. Yeah, that's my home run of the week as well. And for what it's worth, the shortest home run of his career. Yeah, so. barely, barely scraped the wall here. Um, and maybe we'll see some – we're definitely going to see some short porch – uh, jabs from the Red Sox Twitter this this week uh, as the, the rivalry heats up. But the Orioles hit a 290-foot home run on Marathon Monday in Fenway Park. So anytime you hear a short porch home run, we got that in our back pocket to say, uh, yeah, we, we at least all the home runs will be over 300 feet in Yankee Stadium instead of Fenway there. So that, that's keep, keep in mind when the Red Sox are at Yankee Stadium, they push the fence back 15 feet when the Red Sox bat. They do, they do, yes. There's a new wall out there. I think it's 450 in center field, and the short porch magically becomes a green monster, I think, when the Red Sox hit only. So we'll see if, if either team could take advantage of the different dimensions um, in these weird rules at Yankee Stadium. So, But, but that's, that's going to be it for this episode of Podcast and Pinstripes. It, it, it's a, bore, it's a, a boring week of losses that we hopefully never have to go through again this year. Boston rivalry is back. Any other thoughts about the, the upcoming week here? Um, with the Red Sox and Royals. Don't get injured. <laughs> there you go. Games. Don't get injured. That's going to do it up. Uh, happy Easter to all those that celebrate on Sunday. And we'll be back next week, hopefully, to say the Yankees went 6-0 and and are getting back on track. But until then, thanks, guys. And, Sam, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, Steve. Doodles. <laughs>